0: Welcome to the Always Evolving Podcast. This is a podcast about living an awake, aware, conscious life. If it helps to evolve us as individuals, we will likely cover it at some point on this podcast. Because after all, we are always evolving and in all ways. I'm your host, Erica Boucher. I'm here with Nakia Rice of Mission Clean Beach, right? Beaches. Beaches. Mission Be- Clean Beaches. And a friend of mine told me about you. We uh, we actually had an opportunity to see a turtle having just laid her eggs on the beach one evening, covering it up with sand, covering up the eggs with sand, and then going back into the ocean. And it was really just so touching and heartwarming. And she That's also, should, it is, it's an amazing thing to witness. And she showed me some of the, the trash. I mean, she's got a bucket full of trash that she's collected and she's actually turned it into artwork. And she was the one who told me about you and about what it is that you're doing. So tell, tell us about Mission Clean Beaches. What is it and why is it? Why did you start it?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I started Mission Clean Beaches in 2012. So we just had our nine-year anniversary in April, which is crazy to think about. And the reason I started it was because I had a lot of free time on my hands when I was doing graduate research. So I had to wait for a CITES international permit to import sea turtle tissue into the United States. So since sea turtles are endangered and they're protected under the Endangered Species Act, I had to go through CITES, the Convention of International Trade of Endangered Species. So it took me a total of 14 months to get it. And during that time, I couldn't start my projects because I couldn't get the tissue I needed yet until I had the permit in hand. And during that time, I was teaching, you know, to financially get through and all of that while I was doing my research. And my now husband was working beachside. And every day we only had one car. So I would drop him off at work and I would have like an hour or so to spare before I would have to go to work. So I stopped at the beach every time and I just couldn't believe the amount of trash that I saw. And I knew what everyone told us was that we had relatively clean beaches. And I'm like, no, we don't. Like we have pretty, we have a lot of plastic, but relatively speaking to other countries and stuff like that, yes, we do have. We, are, we have pretty clean beaches. But I just got inspired by that. I found a full bottle of salad dressing on the beach one day and I was just like, that's crazy. And then I just was, my eyes were opened to the problem. And that's how I started MCB. So it was like an awareness campaign that was basically social media based. And that's what I did, I just wanted to kind of show people the amount of plastic that were on our beaches and specifically our sea turtle nesting beaches. So super important to, you know, loggerheads, greens and latherbacks. So that's what I wanted to do. And it's kind of evolved into now being, we have research projects going on, we have educational outreach. Of course the pandemic definitely, you know, impacted us. The last time I did a in-person presentation was March of 2020, like right before the country shut down. Um, But, but yeah, so we've, but we've been working on a research project for the last probably five years or so. And that was on plastics ingestion, micro and mesoplastics ingestion, in post hatchling sea turtles and so that was actually something we just published in june of this year we finally got it published in the scientific journal so it's in Marine pollution bulletin so that's one of the things that it's uh we wanted to evolve from just being an awareness and a social media platform into really taking action and being on the front lines by doing educational outreach and doing research and also still being out there and cleaning up the beach all the time so, I used to clean up the beach you know six, seven times a week. Now it's evolved more into more controlled surveys that have standardized methodology. So that's kind of where we're at now.
0: Wow, okay, so
1: I <laughs> love a lot that. to digest there.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. I love that you know you you really were inspired by an experience that you had, so you you alluded to your education. what was what's your degree in? What was your education in?
1: So um, my retinal work in sea turtles that was during my master's thesis. and then when I finished that up, I really um, I started a dissertation and a PhD, and now I'm doing everything through my nonprofit through Mission Clean Beaches. So that's what um, the plastics project is really kind of evolved into my own personal passion project so. It's been a really crazy roller coaster of grad school, that's for sure.
0: <laughs> wow, wow, I love it. So, you're educating people, and so are you pulling, are you bringing people together to do beach cleanup work, or how does that yeah, work?
1: Yeah, so um, we don't do as many group cleanups. It's more of, I wanna try to tell people to get out there whenever they can however they can. And it doesn't even have to be at a beach or anything else. But when it comes to our educational outreach, I do group cleanups with like schools, Girl Scout groups, all kinds of different demographics that we work with. So those are kind of where our group cleanups are. Uh, But we don't have like a monthly beach cleanup that's like public where people come together. Um, We've never kind of evolved into that. It's more of a you know, whenever you can, it doesn't, you don't have to wait until, you know, a monthly cleanup to help out. You don't have to do it at a beach either. You can just be, you know, walking your dog in the neighborhood and say, you know, you see things on the ground and be aware too. Like I remember an old neighborhood I lived in, I always made sure I did it on Mondays because I knew the lawn people were coming on Tuesdays and they would just shred all the plastic and it would go down into the storm drains and eventually end up in the waterways. And everything leads to the ocean. So I tell people, you know, even if you live a thousand miles away from the beach, it doesn't matter. You're still having an impact because everything is so interconnected.
0: Mm. So what do you want people to know? What message, so, what message are you trying to get across to people? Like if you yeah. had the primary, like if you had a a, a, a bullhorn. <laughs>
1: Right, right. What is it
0: you want people to understand?
1: Um, that you can take a personal responsibility, that you can make small changes in your everyday life to make a true impact on what's going on with plastics pollution, and that, you know, it can start from anything from remembering to bring your reusable bags into the grocery store and, you know, trying to skip the straw whenever you can, and so excuse me, we have different campaigns and that's one of them is like skip the straw. Another one is refusing single-use plastic whenever you can. Um, So when you find it for a matter of convenience, so if you have a medical necessity and have to use single-use plastics, that's a totally different beast. But if you're, you know, you see yourself using a lot of single-use plastics in a lifestyle that just is convenient for you to try to step back and think about that, you know, it might be convenient for you in the short term, but in the long run, we're all gonna have really big issues with plastic pollution because it's the amount that we're churning out and putting into the oceans is absolutely alarming. I mean, and it's increasing every single year. So um, that's a problem that is not gonna go away anytime soon. So I try to say, take a personal responsibility, but also get involved in policy change. Um Yeah, so any kind of bills, local bills or ordinances, anything like that to get involved in, Uh, particularly in Florida in 2008, they put a ban on banning plastic bags. So, yeah, and lobbyists put it in and kind of secretly put it into other legislature and it kind of, you know, it didn't get noticed. And um, Surfrider organization, they're a really good organization that's working on that and basically really pushing that awareness there to get out there and support those bills. It's like a, um, a recycling materials bill, an auxiliary can bill that will support local communities being able to regulate their own plastics, their own plastic bag usage. So for example, we did do a pilot program in Melbourne Beach and my research was a part of that, saying, like, this is one of the reasons why this is so important because, you know, this scientist found this evidence in sea turtles. And it was a pilot program to bring reusable bags to stores in Melbourne Beach. Um, unfortunately, it was way more difficult to maintain in the long run. People were definitely supportive in the beginning, that's for sure. But it takes a lot of um, habit changing, honestly. People are just so used to using plastic bags, particularly in this country. So it can be difficult. And people also, for whatever reason, sometimes prefer the plastic bags or they use them for different things in their house so they want them. So really trying to find alternatives to plastics too in your own lifestyle. So uh, that's the one good thing about trash is that anybody can get involved because everybody produces a lot of it. And like everybody can, can be better at it. Everybody can improve.
0: I recently found that there are disposable quote unquote plastic bags that you can use that actually break down. And I don't know what that means as far as what's going inside of those bags. Um, right.
1: So usually with those bags, they're usually partly, you know, corn oil based or something like that, some kind of plant base. So it makes it what they call compostable. But it's usually only like in commercial incinerators and things like that. So not a regular recycling center. So when you just put it in your regular recycling bin, that's not happening at all. And the other problem with recycling in general is that, you know, as of 2020, basically China stopped accepting our recyclables. So there's no commodity market for it. It doesn't have, nobody wants it. It's not worth anything. So before we kind of, just gave it away to China. And that was how we dealt with it. And so now I think it's really been pushed to the forefront that we're going to have to start dealing with our own plastics pollution program uh, problem because China doesn't want it anymore. And it's because so many of our plastics were contaminated. And like I said, there's not a commodity market. There's very few things that you can turn really thin plastic into. You can't turn a bottle into another bottle. It 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 it's not recycled, it's downcycled every time. And that's really what people need to think about is it's not magic. <laughs> it certainly is not magic.
0: So. so people, it makes them feel better to think that they're recycling, but really what we need to be doing is, is staying away from and eliminating the plastic usage altogether yeah. or as much as we possibly can.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's the, one of the other campaigns that we have, instead of saying, you know, reduce, reuse, recycle, we have the first R is refuse, refuse every single time you can. And if you can't, then try to reduce your, your usage of it. Try to reuse that as many times as you can. And the very, very last option is recycling. That should be like, you know, you should try to reuse it, reduce it and refuse it before then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, but like you said, it is recycling is something that makes us feel better. Um, and that's even with beach cleanups, you know, it's certainly a band bandaid. Uh, I've cleaned up a lot of plastics and it does make me feel a lot better about the, the situation because it's something that I can control. I control every single piece that I pick up and I know that that's not in the environment anymore. But it's also like, what do I do with it then? <laughs> then what that's do I
0: what, do with it and that's what I appreciated about what our mutual friend uh that introduced yeah. me to, is doing because she she is taking the trash that she's collecting and she's turning it into artwork basically in the shape of a turtle and it shows this is what this is what the turtles are eating this is what's showing up in their bodies and in, and she told me that you and correct me if I'm wrong that you um dissect turtles that are that are that have died and you're taking the trash out of their bodies and out of their systems and basically showing people this is how much plastic came out of this one turtle
1: yeah yeah so these are specifically post hashlings so they are a developmental stage right after hatchling so a hatchling absorbs that yolk sac from birth and they don't feed on anything so as soon as they start to feed they become post hatchlings so that's the developmental stage that i wanted to focus on and um we have heavy onshore winds sometimes and they basically wash the turtles back to shore and they're called post hatchling washback turtles so those turtles that do not make it that that are dead they become the specimens for the research projects that I'm doing. And so that is one of the papers that just came out, Marine Pollution Bulletin, goes over a lot of that. Um, But yeah, exactly. We do uh, necropsies of the entire gastrointestinal tract. So we do a dissection going, starting all the way from the esophagus all the way down to the cloaca. And we want to see like where are the plastics, how much plastics, and then even further characteristics of what are the colors that they're eating, um, what is the size, what's the you know, largest diameter, what shapes are we seeing, and then also what type of polymer it is. So using microspectrophotometry, which is just a fancy way of identifying specific molecular groups of specific polymers. So if you look at the recycle code, one through seven, each one is a specific polymer. Those are your seven major polymers like polyethylene, polypropylene, things like that. So that method will actually tell me which polymer it is so I can start to deduce where these sources are coming from. They are all pretty much single-use plastics or plastics we may use a few times and then throw away. But they are all pretty much from those major recycling codes of one through seven because there's many types of polymers. Like the polymer library that I used was 53 different polymers it chose from to see what molecular groups it was matching to. So just those seven major ones basically is telling me that the origin is definitely us here on land and it's our single use plastics and they're breaking down. So we call them secondary microplastics. And unfortunately, they're flat angular shards. So they stack up in the gastrointestinal tract of the post hatchling. And because the post hatchling is pretty small, I mean, only about average six centimeters straight carapace length, Um, you know, so I mean, you know, not very big at all. And like I said, only in the environment for maybe three, four months, something like that. And the highest amount that I found in a turtle, one post turtle was 166 pieces stacked up in the gastrointestinal tract.
0: Wow.
1: So, wow. yeah. And overall, now I've necropsied probably about a thousand turtles and over 80% overall. And if you take any subsample, like you take, you know, I take a random subsample of 25, it's 100% ingestion rates. Another, like every, almost every time I pull it, it's 100%. What do
0: you mean 100%? 100% plastic?
1: Yeah. Like, so for example, if you have a thousand of them and I have 80%, are, you know, have plastic ingestion overall. But then if I take a subsample of 25, I mean, it's pretty much all of them because 80% of a thousand is so many of the turtles. I mean, so many of the turtles, 800 of the turtles have some kind of plastic inside of them. 800 mm. out of a thousand. So it's just, it's, that's an extremely high ingestion rate. Extremely.
0: Yeah. It's a big rate. problem.
1: Yeah. And yeah. It's not and- getting
0: better because we're not reducing we're not reducing yeah, plastic. Usage.
1: Absolutely not. So this is yeah. Just absolutely going to get worse
0: not. unless something changes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's part of the research, doing the surveys on the beaches and then doing the necropsies and doing it for this long period of time. I'm also hoping to add that temporal aspect and to see, you know, can I, can I show evidence of it getting worse? I hope it's not, but I mean, all evidence and all factors would indicate that it would indeed be getting worse because we are not decreasing our plastics consumption and we are therefore not decreasing our plastics that make it into you know out of the waste stream and into into the environment. Mm.
0: So what I think what's important Because I think most people know on some level, whether they're choosing to change their habits or not, most people know plastic's a problem. I mean, how could anybody not know that that's a problem? But I think where people get stuck is they don't know what the alternatives are. Do you have a list on your website or somewhere where you talk about, this is what you could be doing instead? This is what you could be using instead. Obviously, we bring our own canvas toast into the grocery store instead of taking the plastic bags. That's a huge piece right there. But what about takeout containers and the plastic cutlery. Um, yeah. What are some other so, suggestions you have for people yeah. and alternatives? So, that
1: is, so Erica, that is something I want to definitely have like a table or something, and even clickable things that you can click on the product and everything like that. But I did recent recently do a blog post um, just about spring and renewal and things that you can do to help. And that's what I did kind of try to include. It wasn't sponsored by any companies or anything like that, but I tried to include links to actual products that people could use, like to go where is like a bamboo alternative. And it comes in a really convenient pack where you bring it with you. So then you have the utensil with you at the restaurant. And then the same thing is, um, you know, sometimes I do look like that crazy person where I have like a glass takeout container in my purse and I bust it out at the end of my meal. And, you know, I put my food in there. Um, During the pandemic, you know, we didn't really go out at all and we would order takeout. And that was definitely like a huge guilt thing for sure because you have no control. And then during the pandemic, sterility and things being sterile and safe, became way more important than you know plastics pollution of single-use plastics so then when you put like human health and safety with it it definitely becomes super difficult so the pandemic was so 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 hard kind of a setback yeah it was a huge setback like there were even stores that you know we weren't allowed to bring the reusable bags in there anymore it wasn't allowed by their policy And then, you know, trying to get, you know, my family back into it, like, no, we need to get back into the habit of, you know, being sustainable again. And, and, you know, luckily, you know, we didn't get sick. And a lot of our family, we weren't directly impacted, thankfully. Um, So we're trying to just get back to whatever our, our normal was, which really means bringing that all back to the forefront, which has been difficult because breaking habits is hard. It's really difficult but I would say bringing utensils with you, bringing the takeout containers with you when you go out is a huge one. The plastic bags and then the water bottles as well. Water bottles is a huge thing. Um, And I know people, you know, they have their certain, their take on what tap water is or, you know, and maybe even in their area, you know, like Flint, Michigan, like my gosh, like you wouldn't want their tap water. And so that's a huge thing. But we, for instance, we use like reverse osmosis water, and then we always use our reusable cups. Mm-hmm. So we made sure that that became a huge regular lifestyle change for our family. Like we absolutely do not buy plastic water bottles because that is just a huge single-use plastic problem. So um, bags and bottles are are two definitely big ones for the sure. Biggest
0: culprits, probably.
1: Yeah. And then in terms of, you know, personal responsibility is huge, but also policy change and like supporting people that are in favor of supporting, you know, end of life corporate responsibility for single use plastics for any company like Coca Cola, for example, Um, supporting bottle deposits supporting being able to regulate your own plastic bag consumption in your town you know, especially for coastal counties. I think that should, should definitely be a thing. And then even, um, you know, it's crazy, but another thing that I was really passionate about and is still a problem is balloons that we still find on so many of our beach cleanups. And that is such an easy one that anybody can help with. Like if you give your child, you know, a balloon, make sure you tie it around their wrist or, you know, just make sure you tell them like, don't let that go. Like, It's going to end up most likely in the ocean. That's most of our earth is, is covered by, and we still do. We still find latex balloons and mylar balloons on our beach cleanups very regularly. So that's another huge outreach campaign that anyone can help with.
0: Wow. Yeah. I'm still trying to wrap my head around the fact that there's a ban on plastic bands. Like, yeah, that's, that's really hard to wrap my my head around and i'm i'm in the process of working on a letter that i want to send to there's a there's a company there's a, a shake that a mix that i like it's organic it's plant based i use it every morning with my coffee but it comes in a plastic container and it has a plastic scoop and so every month when i get a new one i'm like why are they sending me this scoop like i, I can figure out like just tell me how much is the appropriate amount or the suggested yeah. amount and i can measure that so I'm working on a letter that can be modified depending on the company, the corporation that you wanna communicate with and where you can basically say, these are ways that you, your company could make a difference and this is how it could impact your bottom line. And this is what you could do. Like you could be marketing this as uh, let people know that you are a champion of the environment and you're doing what you can to to not be a part of the problem, oh, yeah. Because I, th- I feel like if more people had access to a letter like that, where they, it was kind of a plug and play, <laughs> and Definitely. they send it, and these corporations started to recognize that this matters to people, and people are making decisions. I'm making decisions based on what kind of plastic um, I'm contributing to, you know, whether. Yeah. Or not- if I have an option, and if it's a reasonably yeah. affordable one, I'm gonna I'm gonna move in the direction of that which doesn't require me to contribute more pollution, plastic pollution to the earth. So sometimes it feels a little discouraging and overwhelming. Like, uh, can we do anything here? Can we make yeah. a difference? And I have to believe that we can. And it yeah. starts with the individual. It takes a bunch of individuals making those conscious choices and coming together. And then we start to have a ripple effect and, you know, and eventually we reach a tipping point. I mean,
1: yeah,
0: I said this on the last uh, podcast interview that I did with somebody that I want to introduce you to actually, but we vote with our dollars and
1: yeah.
0: And if we, that's the, that's the best way for us to have our voices heard is to, to let them know. I am serious about supporting companies that, that care about what they're putting out there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And consumer demand and I, is huge. And I also think that the power is with the people. I mean, it really is when you get enough people together, like you said, I mean, you can make a huge impact. And I think that's another thing that should really go on the website too, is because I think you're right. People um, don't know where to start. People are so busy. And if they did have something where they could plug and play and literally send it off, then, you know, that would maybe be easy enough for them to actually execute and do and like i said i mean it's huge to go from awareness to action and that's basically like the motto that i chose for mission queen beaches is turning awareness into action like now you know that this is a huge problem but what can we do like there has to be something that we can do and you're right i think making it easy and that's another thing that is on the website is it doesn't is entanglement reporting of wildlife of if you see it like most people if they see any kind of animal like in distress or something like that most of the time they don't even know who to call or what to do and so i collaborated with wild florida rescue and basically we're trying to make an impact and show how many entanglements we have just in this county and why it's such a big issue and why there needs to be policy you know on that for instance with you know fishing line and plastic bags just being you know, polluted by the side of the road and all kinds of animals become entangled in it. So the more people that have access to the form that can report it super easily, then the more evidence we have behind policy change. So you know, like I say, if there's any like local lawyers, and they need evidence of how to get these policies in place, and they need more data, like I'm your girl, like I got lots and lots of data. And that's kind of my goal with it is to take the data that we're doing and not being in an echo chamber of just other scientists that know this problem or just other people that know this problem but really getting it out there and being like no i want this to be used for policy change i want this to even be used for local business owners to see it you know or even being in like the florida today to say you know, hey, this and this is going on or whatever newspaper or whatever outlet it is, but mm-hmm. for people to know and then say, hey, they can go to this website and they can download this letter to their local business and they can be aware of it now and hopefully make that change.
0: I think maybe perhaps we can work together or collaborate on this this plug and play letter that we've been- yeah. Uh, t- out and also a petition because it seems
1: definitely to me
0: that there's a ban on on plastic bans like we need to first of all we need to start there let's remove that and let's ban single-use plastics i know yeah. in other countries like in in bali indonesia and in jamaica and and mm-hmm. you know they're smart enough to say we we have to stop this and so they ban all plastic there are no plastic bags no plastic or no no um plastic straws yeah and that's just smart and I can't believe that as such an advanced civilized country as the United States that we are so belligerently digging our heels in on something as important as this I think of like Easter Island and how they basically made themselves extinct because they just didn't have an awareness of how they were destroying the resources that they had and I feel like that like a that's a little mini story that we should all have learned some something from and we didn't for some reason Mm -hmm. and we're we're kind of witnessing this right now like it's really mind-boggling to me when i see and i try not to be judgy because i know everyone's doing the best they can with their current level of understanding so i think raising awareness is the key but it 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 blows my mind when i see people put those big 24 packs of bottled water in their car. And I'm thinking, how, how could they still be doing that?
1: Yeah.
0: How can anybody knowing what we know today still be doing that? And, yeah. um, but you know, we wake up when we wake up (laughs) and who knows what it's going to take for some people, but that's why I wanted to interview you and have you share your knowledge, because I do believe knowledge is power. And the the more we know, the more choices we have.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think getting, you know, scientific research out there too can be super powerful and it can connect people, particularly like with sea turtles and stuff like that, because people end up having a passion for those animals. And then maybe that's the extra motivation they need to make that change, you know? So hopefully getting it out there is, is going to inspire them and motivate them, and make that step over the hill to say, hey, I'm going to step back, make these decisions, think about things intentionally, and, you know, maybe not put that 24 pack of bottled water into their cart and think about how can I make sure that I still get the water that I need yeah, how but can in a more this sustainable way. Yeah, yeah.
0: So we're in Florida, you and I, and so naturally we're surrounded by Beaches, and so right. it's a kind of a no-brainer um, that you know it's important for us to. We could do beach cleanups every weekend if we want to, and and I think it would be great to for you and I to collaborate on something like this where we can raise awareness and do a beach cleanup. But, like you said earlier, for people that are living, maybe they're you know, somewhere else in the United States, they're nowhere close to a beach, but it's still really important because whatever trash is on the side of the road or whatever, whatever is polluting their local environment ultimately ends up in our oceans and ends up in the sea life and ends up in our food because it's also getting into the bellies of our fish. And, um, and, and then that's, you know, ending up in the bellies of anything that ingests that fish. And it just kind of everything, every living being on this planet is being affected by plastics and microplastics.
1: Yeah, now they've, they've found plastic in every ocean at every depth, um, and pretty much like every species that you can imagine, they've found plastic in them of some sort. And then, of course, the toxins that go along with those plastics, and they can be hormone dis- disruptors and things like that. Um, that's another avenue of research that we are definitely interested in and have started side projects of Persistent organic pollutants. So POPs that get concentrated on pieces of plastic. And so then that starts a whole nother um, ballgame of, you know, physiological effects on the animal and Plastics really can have a huge negative influence on that as well. And it's not just sea turtles, it's seabirds, it's fish, like you said, amphibians, um, basically any species that you can think of, including us, of course, because we are part of the food chain. We are part of of the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. So So. every single level is affected
0: in a negative
1: way. Yeah. So
0: when somebody is... um, holding a plastic bottle in their hand or they see a piece of trash on the side of the road for them to make the connection that that is impacting me that right there is not just it's not going away like there's no away right there yeah there's
1: no away, away. Yeah,
0: away so that is impacting me it's impacting my children it's impacting my pets it's impacting my health as soon as people realize is that they, it, when people start to take it personally, because <laughs> they recognize yeah. that it is personal, that's yeah. when I think they'll be motivated to make the change. And that was why I wanted to have you on my podcast. So thank you so much for making the time for this.
1: Yeah, no, I appreciate you reaching out to me for sure. And, you know, connecting from Christina, that's, that's awesome that we can all connect um, with like-minded individuals and, help get the word out there because it is huge. It can be very powerful to get people together. And like you said, knowledge is power for sure. And turning that that knowledge and that awareness into action is hopefully going to save us and save the next generations to come because you do, you have to have hope. You have to have hope.
0: Mm, what a great note to And on. And and I want to say that I want to continue this conversation with you. I see us collaborating and working together in some way. I also have a friend that I want to introduce you to. to, um, Her name is Angie Ringler, and I actually just interviewed her for this podcast. And she has a business called Waste Free Products. And so she's she's providing people with shampoo, conditioner, pet shampoos, laundry detergents, zero plastic. And she also has a a book called um, "Going Plastic Free Room by Room." I just really feel like the two of you need to meet. And- yeah,
1: yeah. I saw that you had waste free living on your last episode, so I didn't want to go like too into that. But yeah, household plastics too is is definitely huge. Especially like I love that she does that room by room, like tackle it room by room. That's cool.
0: Absolutely. The two of you need to, to talk and I will make the introduction and I think it would yeah. be a good idea for you to be on her podcast because she has one too. And um, and let's let's gather the troops. Let's bring the forces together and see if if we're more powerful united as a team. Like how how can we support each other in this endeavor? Um, so yeah, let's keep this conversation going for sure. And and how can people find you and find out more about Mission Clean Beaches?
1: Yeah, so we actually did recently redo the website a little bit, so it's a little bit more interactive, more resources, and my contact is there. You can send a message straight through my website, and it will come to me. That's missioncleanbeaches.com, but also my email, Rice at gmail.com, so simply just my name, n-i-k-i-a-r-i-c-e at gmail.com, and that's pretty much where I try to answer anybody's questions. And I really want to help expand the blog on the page and maybe might ask you to do some of that. Absolutely. Maybe answer Seven. some questions. Yeah. So yeah, collaboration I see definitely in the future. And then, like I said, it started out as a social media platform. So we are still um, very active on Facebook and Twitter. We do not have an Instagram page. I never did um, go into that. Facebook and Twitter is pretty much our main platforms. And then of course, missioncleanbeaches.com is the website.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much. Well, we, you and I will continue. um, This conversation is not over.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, yeah. I could talk to you all day about the policies that came about from 2008 in Florida. And it came from lobbyists that in California who had gotten sued. And that's why all these things happened during that time period. There's reasons for all of it. So we can definitely delve into why there is a ban on banning. It's wow. Yeah, yeah, that's,
0: that's mind boggling. Uh, Nikia, thank you so much for taking the time today. I really appreciate you. Yeah,
1: thanks so much for having me. And I love your podcast. It's so awesome. I'm going to have to delve into some more of the episodes that you have.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Well, thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much, Erica. I appreciate
0: it. Thank you for listening to this episode of All Ways Evolving. Please feel free to share this episode with anyone you think might appreciate it. And if you enjoyed this podcast, let me know by leaving me a five-star rating. Until next time, keep learning, keep growing, keep evolving.